0: It's a must-have app. It won't so much change your life as usher you through the gates of a brand new one to a life where all your problems have been datified out of existence. All you've left to do is... Well, let's worry about that bit later. For our regular tech soothsayer, Professor Ashlyn Kelleher, the drawbacks in this approach seem particularly striking in the burgeoning area of femtech, the ever-growing catalogue of technologies that like to see women's health and women's experiences more generally as a market with huge potential. That is, as a series of problems to be solved.
1: I think there's this idea of... um this theory of solutionism, that for every problem, there is a a solution that uh, Silicon Valley or technology in general can solve. And instead, I think there's a little bit of pushback right now to the idea that it's not that we are all like broken bodies and in particular women, but rather we have autonomy over our bodies and we can decide what is important about those and what is important to track and what is important to reflect on. And it's not necessarily this like sterile, of health focused idea but also that it has an emotional component it has a psychological component and it is a component that is completely personal and whether or not that you want to use why would a device that tracks that in some way and you share it with a third party that that's just kind of assumed to be like a healthy way of doing things this is problematic to me the essential idea is that the design is going to bring you towards a you know an optimal solution okay well then what is what is the problem? And is it really a problem? And how is it that an app or a technology or a some sort of a sensor or device is going to fix that? And that's a big kind of socio-technical issue for us to consider. The assumption that technology can solve all ills when we might not decide that that's an ill at all, but rather just a very basic component of the human condition that can be discussed and thought about in a different way so I think we see this great even in in the popular press we're seeing this emergence of higher levels of discussion about complex human issues and particularly complex issues that uh, women or women identifying people experience such as menopause or fertility issues or you know just the menstruation or anything like that that If we can kind of bring them into normal common discourse in a way that they're not shrouded in secrecy or kind of some like weird way of like pretending that they don't exist, that they can become normalized in a way that doesn't need a technological solution to solve for you individually, but rather requires a societal innovation in how we consider them.
0: But in a way, the technology is part of the societal innovation, isn't it? With the with the rise of period tracking, for instance, there's a sort of destigmatization around uh, women's health experience that that is inherent in the popularity of the technology, even if the technology has a sort of problemist uh, kind of approach.
1: Yeah, I think there's there's pros and cons for that. So some is that yes, it comes into the fore that like okay. We can now, you know, we can better track the your period, for example, in a way that might be extremely useful, for, for example, for teenagers, so that they know how to prepare to go to school or anything like that in the advent of their period. But it can also mean that you're like, if you don't use these technologies, you know, particularly in the advent of parenting or something like that, then you are a bad person. You're a bad parent because you're not taking advantage of these things. And I think that's one way... That consumerism sells us on these technologies here 's the solution if you don't use them, you're deliberately avoiding them or ignoring them, and that means that you 're bad so it's performative in some ways that you're performing parenting, you're performing being uh, you know an an idealized woman, for example, by having and using and performing with these technologies so I think there's a there's a pro and con to that that 's quite nuanced, Luke. Tell us a
0: bit about the pro then. How did it happen that these kind of technologies began to proliferate in the way they did, considering the problems you discuss?
1: Oh, capitalism. I think is the idea is that they're like there's a market for this and um, let's really focus on well we haven't talked about women maybe and women might need this thing you know the same way that there's now the same way you can get toothbrushes you know and heads replaced every three months there's now all these uh, services that will also deliver menstrual products to you to your door kind of on the basis of when they think you might be having your period. So, you know, there's a, a market for all of these things. And I think when people are you know, this kind of broader consumer market is like, whoa, hold on, there's a whole market of women out there. that This thing happens to them. That's wonderful. So you can create this individualized consumer focused market. But at the same time in this, you know, system that I live in, we don't have a uh, legal maternity leave. <laughs> right, so I'm like institutionalized. What does that mean? Like, as in terms of acceptance of the broad range of things that happen to women, but on a very individual level, they're like, okay, we can market this particular tool or this particular app or this particular kind of like service to people, but more broadly, in this socio-cultural way of thinking about it, that's not that's not on the table at all.
0: So, how has the design community began to? To track, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I hesitate to say the word problems, but how has the design community begun to approach these uh, the difficulties that you're talking about, the shortcomings you're talking about? Yeah, I
1: think there's a different, couple of different ways. So one is like even the idea of uh, theorist and, and writer Donna Haraway has talked about this idea of troubling design, the idea of design being solution focused, with you know a fairly linear progression from this is a problem, we'll create this. Now the problem is solved, there we go, to troubling the idea of is a designed product the appropriate thing to solve this? Perhaps it's legislation, perhaps it's a a cultural idea that our norm that must be challenged. And that's one way I think that some of uh, particularly like feminist design or feminist technology has begun to think a bit more about like there's something deeply personal about some of these things as well. Theorist and commentator John Berger, he talks about this lovely phrase that there's another way of telling what voices are not being listened to or what voices are not being heard. And like, what is another way of telling about this experience? Like, for example, here in the United States, the idea of critical race theory seems very frightening. Can we take some of those Ideas about thinking critically about race or about economics, about politics in general and use them as a way to think about the material worlds that we have. Like what are the types of things that we bring into our home? Are they sustainable? Are they, you know, the same way we think about diamonds? Are they <laughs> blood diamonds? We shape the material world and we are shaped by it. And I'm curious about the objects and the, the things that we bring into our life. And... Is there a broader way that we can examine them and perhaps influence how they are created?
0: Aisling Kelleher there from her desk in Virginia. And if you'd like to hear a little more of that conversation, which I would recommend, tune into this week's Culture File Weekly, Saturday at 6.30pm here on RTÉ Lyric FM.